Sam Howell has been through a whirlwind this past year, going from a presumptive top end of the first round draft pick to the first pick of the fifth round. There's not that many people in this world that have ever experienced what it's like to go through the NFL draft, but you know who has? North Carolina quarterback Scott Stankavage. He joins me on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, May 6, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, beat writer for Sports Illustrated's All Tar Heels website. And I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. Please remember that we are free and available anywhere that you get podcasts. For those of you watching, thanks for making it your first watch today. And please remember, you can subscribe. Just hit the subscribe button, hit the bell, so you get notifications anytime new episodes drop. Also, please make sure to like and comment on this video. We're trying to every day get the show up to 200 likes and 50 comments, just so we can continue to build this community of people diving into it and just having healthy conversation with one another. But I'm about to do you the biggest solid of all. It is Friday, and do not forget, two days from now is Mother's Day. Call your mamas. If, if you have a wife who is a mother, make sure you honor her well. Whatever you need to do, take care of Mother's Day this weekend in a good way. All right, we're going to get right into talking with Mr. Scott Stankavage here on Locked on Tar Heels. So glad to be joined today on Locked on Tar Heels by former Carolina. You know what? He's not former. He's still a Carolina quarterback. He's just an alum now. Scott Stankavage. Scott, it's so great to have you on. For those who don't remember uh, Scott's tenure, he was at Carolina from 1980, 1984, the first Tar Heel quarterback in the NFL. Scott, just, just tell us a little bit. Welcome to the show. Tell us a little Thank bit you. about your time in Chapel Hill. I... It's great to be here, and yes, I am a Tar Heel, and uh, <laughs> I do have the, uh, the the dubious distinction, I think, of being the first quarterback to play quarterback in the NFL from Carolina. So, and it was a crazy situation against the Chicago Bears' greatest defense in history, and they beat the heck out of me. So, <laughs> it's dubious. Baptism by fire was the cover in the USA Today, you know. Um, but you know, being a Carolina Tar Heel is is you know, it's changed my life, obviously, to come down here from Philadelphia. And we were talking earlier a little bit about um, how I got here. I was a dominant athlete uh, in high school uh, in a football region outside of Philadelphia, um, which is there's a lot of dominant athletes in high school. But when I got to Carolina, it was Lawrence Taylor who alerted me to the fact <laughs> when I was trying to sprint out on him in our first scrimmage in Keenan Stadium, uh, he picked me up like a rag doll and literally took me back to quarterback coach Cleve Bryant and threw me on the ground. Kind of like I, I saw this quarterback run around out there. Is he yours? The whole staff <laughs> laughed. And I was seriously like, you know, and the quarterback coach, Cle coach Bryant said, are you going to tell me Lawrence Taylor's a better man than you? <laughs> I said, well, uh, apparently. <laughs> so uh, great wow. memories of coming down from uh, Pennsylvania and, uh, and coming to Carolina. And I came to Carolina because it was something that nobody had done from our area, or at least not in a high profile way. 
I actually had committed to Virginia. Um, nobody had gone to Virginia either, but the, you know, Ivy League of the South. And uh, but coming to Carolina, I, I got to see the Tar Heels play Yale in Carmichael in basketball. I was also a pretty good basketball player and had some mm. college basketball opportunities. So Carolina, uh, the, the, the pretty girls, <laughs> which is a criteria, the, <laughs> the weather, the campus, uh, I went back and I had to call Virginia and say, sorry, I'm going to Chapel Hill. Uh, you know, one of the great decisions of my life. I'm, I, you know, I have seven children, uh, three of them, uh, well, three of them live with me because they're 12, 12, and 10. And my two daughters have three grandsons. They're in Charlotte. Um, my ex-wife's in Charlotte. Uh, my son's in Nashville. My brother's in Charlotte with three tremendous athletes. That, so, yeah, the Stankavages, because of that recruiting trip, the Stankavages are now North Carolinians. There you go. I love that. Well, what a welcome to college football for you, Scott. Here's LT, one of the greatest defenders of all time. And we knew it then, too. It wasn't like he was a secret. Yeah, so, man, that's incredible. Yeah. And, and what's interesting about that is you've talked to me before about how while you were a student athlete at Carolina, was there was this great renaissance uh, of athletes all over campus. Just, just talk to us some about some of those people and what that meant to be part of that time period. Yeah, I think we knew it when we were there, uh, but certainly looking back and looking back in the early nineties, we knew it. I mean, the golf team was John Inman, Davis Love and and Jackie Nicholas, uh, right. The Anson Dorrance was starting his soccer dynasty. Uh, there was a, 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 an all American iconic player. I don't remember her name before Mia Hamm, you know, Mia Hamm would be the predecessor to hold the mantle. Sue Walsh, who, uh, I was actually married to for 13 years and we had three kids. Uh, she was never lost a backstroke race. She was an all American, the swim team with Amy Plass and Jenny Strickland and, and, and many others, uh, were in the top four in the country, uh, a basketball team, 81 with Jimmy black. We lost at the spectrum to Indiana next year, 82 and Michael comes in and we win in new Orleans. The lacrosse team was Willie Scroggs and Tommy Sears and Peter vocal and Mike Mullman and, that's where that dynasty started. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some, but it was literally walking across campus arguing about who's got Domino's money for Domino's pizza, you know, uh, <laughs> was, it was just incredible. And it was Michael Jordan and I room with Matt Doherty for summer and, and, and Jimmy Black and Sam Perkins was a classmate of mine with, with Matt, uh, James Worthy. It was just, it was a who's who of iconic college players, but then iconic in the history of some of the games, you know, when you talk about Michael and LT. So, uh, it was, it was a great time to be a Tar Heel. It it still is, but those were unbelievably special times. That's right. And let's not forget the football team under your part, part in part, your leadership as quarterback. What, what were, what were the quarterback and, and the football years like in your tenure? Well, before I got there, uh, coach Dooley, had created a very, very strong program. And in fact, uh, Vince Dooley was, I don't know if it was Bill Dooley, I think, or Vince, the one that was at Carolina. He yeah. had recruited LT and Don L. Bill, Thompson yeah. and, and, those, and, and all those guys that led us in 1980 to 11-1 and record. Our only loss was at Oklahoma, uh, which is a whole other story in itself, <laughs> um, with J.C. Watts and the boys. Uh, um but then Coach Crum came in, and you know the names that were reeled off 
on the offensive and defensive lines, you know, Lawrence Taylor, Donnell Thompson, uh, Mike Wiltshire, uh, Calvin Daniels, those are all tough, you know, first three round draft picks. Um, and then you had on the offensive line, Dave Drexler and Brian Blados and Harris Barton, um, Ron Wooten, Rick Donnelly. I mean, those are all first team all Americans and, you know, high NFL draft picks that played a long time in the league. Um, and then at running back, we had Amos Lawrence, and then it went to Kelvin Bryant. We had Amos and Kelvin in one backfield. Then the next year, we had Kelvin Bryant and Tyrone Anthony in that backfield. The next week, we had Tyrone Anthony and Ethan Horton in that backfield. And then the next year, we had Ethan and William Humes. They were two 1,000-yard rushers. All those, every moment I mentioned was a one was a dual 1,000-yard rusher in those seasons, which is just phenomenal. That's insane. Uh, yeah. We were. We were a dominant team. We never ended up. We we climb the mountain. We get to two or three in the country and then fall off because we played Maryland and Clemson at the end of the season. That's part of the reason. But Maryland <laughs> won a national championship. The quarterbacks were uh, Ben Bennett, Boomer Siason, myself, a guy named Mike Epley, who was a real good player at Clemson. He also played basketball. So people remember, oh, you 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 all ACC. As and I was academic all ACC, but <laughs> it's gotten far enough away that if you really don't know your time frames and you want to say I'm all ACC. I'll accept it, yeah. but I think Boomer and Ben. Ben set the record, actually, in Keenan Stadium, the first game under the lights in Keenan Stadium. Ben was at Duke. He had passed Jim McMahon for the all-time passing yardage leader in NCAA history against us, and we won the game on the final drive, scored a running touchdown and stormed the field. And I don't know why we were so excited to beat Duke in football, but apparently we were. <laughs> Yeah, I get myself in trouble there. Anyway, you hit play. You 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 asked me a question. Hit play. That's great. Hang on because it comes out because those are some of the favorite times of my life. I I love it and thank you so much for sharing those, Scott. It's just neat to see in inside the dorm room if you'll if you'll allow me that phrase. That's great. And and one of the really neat things about that is because your Carolina career and then going on to the NFL was so successful. One one of the neat things that uh, you you've told me happens even still to this day is. Um, people will take time out of their day to to say something to you or recognize you and and talk about how meaningful you were to them. So my question is, why is it so important for you to have a conversation with people who you meant something to? People who say, "Man, I, I remember number fourteen in this play." Well, why is that important to you? Well, some people remember number fourteen is Mark May, and Mark and I always argue about that. I was the first number fourteen. Um, <laughs> And if you get into my security codes, I shouldn't say that, but there's a 14. <laughs> um, because I was 14 in junior high all the way through my athletic career. But um, we did talk about that. And, and the story I related was with my 12, 12, and 10. We're out at a restaurant or at the beach or something. And um, someone will come up and say, are you Scott Stan Cabbage? Or do you know? In fact, I was at a five-star restaurant and a waiter said, uh, uh, would you be Mr. Stankavich? Would you be related to Scott Stankavich? My wife rolls her eyes like, Oh, here we go again. And I, I you know, and, and so I'm, I was very, tried to be very gracious. And we told stories with this guy. Um, and, and I do every time. And then I talked to my kids and I, I explained to them and my wife, I explained to them, you know, it's a tremendous responsibility. I believe on me and, and most athletes, I think if they accept the responsibility, if someone puts you, you know, picture of them up in your room when they're 10, right? Or someone pretends to be you out in the yard when they're 12, or they wear your jersey, right, to the game when they're six. And then 30 years later, 20 years later, or the next year, they get to meet you. They have you on such a 
pedestal. Um, you know, they don't know if you're a jerk personally, or you know, it, it's 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 a it's a burden, but it's it's a tremendous responsibility to to share with them and honor their memory. Uh, you know that we both participated in me as a player and and, and them as a fan. I, I was that little guy, you know, mm. I, and I remember. You know, I never met Julius Irving or, you know, some of the guys that I admired, but it's a responsibility and I, I take it very seriously. And it really, I just feel such joy when I can shake a hand or sign an autograph or somebody remembers, I'm flattered that they remember that far ago. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, that's a, that's a big deal. And I think Carolina trains you as an athlete to have that kind of humility and understand the position that Carolina gives you on TV and in the community. Uh, and as part of, you know, you, I think your responsibility uh, as an athlete in college, as a pro, uh, and certainly as a Tar Heel. Yeah, man, that's so great, Scott. And just thank you for that example of being a kind human being, re regardless of what field or occupation you're in, just the honoring the humanity in all of us. And I Amen. think that's such a win. So thank you, uh, as, as a fan, you know, that, that yeah. means a lot. Yeah. Um, and so uh, as we've said, Scott had a phenomenal Carolina career, which led him to an opportunity to be part of the NFL. What was that experience like for him going through the draft and everything? We're going to talk about that in just a moment, but first let me tell you a little bit about built bar. Summer is coming, and with that, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations or picnics or whatever kind of trips you might be going on. Just throw them in your bags, and you're good to go. Make sure that everyone has one of those bars so that you are fueled for all your summer adventures. All Built Bars and Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means that with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy it. And in fact, have you tried the Built Puffs yet? These things are incredible, and they come in flavors like banana, cream pie, and churro. That sounds phenomenal. I want to get all of that churro protein bar. Who has cool flavors like that? Built Bar does. If that's not enough, just those individual flavors, get one of the mix boxes that come with 12 different flavors, and you're going to have bars and churros. The best part, once again, is they're both healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for your health. With Built Bar, you can have your cake and eat it too. All you have to do is go to built.com and order now. While you're there, check out some of these numbers. Most Built Bars contain just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. When you compare that to a normal candy bar, you know which option you need to go with. So, Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Well, I want to give a special shout out to those of you who are watching on YouTube. Thank you so much for making the show your first watch every day, making it part of your routine. Uh, it just means so much that this community is growing and evolving. Once again, we are joined today on Locked on Tar Heels by Carolina quarterback Scott Stankavage. 
uh, man, and he had some great Carolina experiences, which led him to the opportunity to be part of the NFL. And so what we want to do now with just having had the draft uh, this past weekend is to hear a little bit of the experience from him uh, of getting inside the mind of a draftee and what that is like. And so, Scott, just kind of take us through this lead up to the draft and what it's like. There's a lot of memories and, and opinions and feelings and emotions. Um, you know, high school recruiting of athletes is a very difficult period because a lot of people don't tell you the truth, right? About they just want you to come to their school and whatever they got to tell you. And, um, you know, where grown men get to deceive, you know, teenager uh, legally. Uh, I've heard it described that way. I wouldn't call it quite that egregious, but, but similarly, you know, the NFL draft, uh, I was the number one passing efficiency leader for the country for eight weeks. And I was getting letter from the Cowboys and it was a different time in the way they communicated, but you know, the coaches would tell me, yeah, the chargers were coming in to see you today and you know, your arm strength or whatever. And so I never dreamed of playing in the pros until my junior year. I had some success and some of the guys would come back from NFL camps and say, Hey Scott, you, you can do this. And so I put it on my list to do. And in our senior year, we were third in the country and eight, no went up to Maryland and lost in the last 15 seconds. Crazy deal. Um, and so my bubble was a little bit shattered and I, I really wasn't good enough to be, you know, long-term in the pros, but I, I wanted to be. And so when draft day came, I didn't have really know what, I mean, some guys, yeah, you might be drafted late rounds or uh, you'd be a preferred free agent. And I, I just didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with it. So I went golfing. <laughs> I went to Finley, played 18 with a buddy, you know, there are no cell phones. So I got back to my room, you know, I had eight different calls from contracts, priority free agent. I selected the Denver Broncos uh, because I thought that was the best opportunity. Ed Elway was a rookie. Kubiak was a rookie. I had a guy named Scott Bruner, and they were the ones that had shown the most interest and talked to me, and so I felt best about that. And, and Kyle, uh, Kyle Shanahan was a ball boy, but his dad, Mike, and Alex Gibbs, they were rookies too. So I spent a lot of time when I signed with them in a Wendy's learning the playbook with <laughs> Coach Shanahan and Coach Gibbs, uh, which which was, you know, great. I was I was the third quarterback there. I was a, a guy that was a good citizen and wasn't going to get in trouble. If I was in the game, the team had a lot bigger problems. Um, but, you know, I, you, you, you throw with every, you know, you're in the meetings, you know all that, and you're just meant not to be a distraction. As a third guy, and, I, and, I, and Coach Reeves eventually said, you can be, a second guy for somebody, but not here. We have Gary Kubiak. And so I ended up uh, going to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, which is my hometown, and Buddy Ryan. I had a horrible experience there. Mm. Um, and then uh, during the strike, I got a chance to go down with uh, Shula in Miami. Uh, so great, you know, offensive minds that I was uh, – I, I tell you, I uh, told other people, my best skill was coachability. If, mm. if you – there weren't – there were things I couldn't do but I'll do it tomorrow. I didn't know it today, but I'll learn it by tomorrow. And, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good skill to have. And it, 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 I say it got me to the NFL, but it was three years. It was on and off the rosters. It wasn't long enough to get my pension there. Uh, but, you know, I made $140,000 a year with baseball cap turned backward and clipboard 
<laughs> standing on the sidelines uh, watching Nothing John wrong with that. Hey, yeah. All right. Um, so it was great, but I hate draft day. I, I just hate draft day. I hated it for Sam Howell. I hate it for all of them. Um, I just hate draft day because I don't know who gets the right story, right? Who, who's really getting it? Uh, I mean, the number one guy didn't even know who it was going to be. They picked the linebacker instead of so-and-so. So yeah. uh, I'm not worried about the top 10 guys. But the guys in rounds two, three, four, six, seven, man, it's a hard, it's a hard experience. Why, why did you personally, you just said, man, I, I hated draft day. What, what is it about that? Is it the anticipation? Is it the not yeah, knowing? Your hopes are so high. You actually believe what people tell you. There's no benefit to anybody in the league to tell you, you we're not interested. You're not a player. You know, everybody gets pumped up so that, you know, if somebody moves somewhere or drafts somebody or somebody gets hurt, oh, they have a relationship with you. So, you know, the truth is very tightly held uh, by each club because, you know, they don't want the other teams to know who they like and who they're going to draft and who they're thinking of. And we got to move up to get Malik Willis or maybe he'll still be there. You know, all, all of that stuff. Now, I wasn't, you know, Malik Willis. And like I say, I was a free agent. But sure. um, and there's a big free agent scramble, which, which is different than the draft. But uh, Coach Wilson, who uh, is a mentor of mine as a quarterback and as a father, and as a man, uh, wrote a book about him called The QB Mentor. But anyway, he's working with Brandon Peters, who went to Michigan and was started at Illinois. I mean, Brandon's 6'5", 240, runs a 4'5", can throw it a country mile. I mean, Josh Allen, like, and guess where he's a preferred free agent to? Behind Justin Herbert in San Diego, because that's the kind of athlete he is. You know, nobody looked at college and thought Brandon was, you know, going to be a super-duper NFL quarterback. But when he got coached and he learned some things on his motion and he gets in the right system and San Diego knows what they're going to do, that's an offensive coach, you know, you never know. So I'm a big, hmm. big fan of his. And uh, I, lo I do watch the quarterbacks, though. And I do feel sorry. Like uh, Sam was the one that was hard. Pickett, I like seeing go early. Ritter fell a little bit. Malik Willis, who seems to be just an you know, all-American man, um, he slid to a level that everybody is, oh, what's going on? And then all of a sudden yeah. you become the story. Aaron Rodgers, happened to Aaron Rodgers when he slid to 24. Yeah. Nobody knew Brady. He slid to the sixth round, and he's the GOAT. So, um, <laughs> hey, they don't know how to draft quarterbacks. They, they don't know. I mean, literally, when you do a study on who was what and when and what they said about them, it's not guesswork, but they're less than 50-50 on who who the slid the you know the dominant quarterback's gonna be. Like we talked earlier, there's only twenty people in the world that can be, you know, a good to great NFL quarterback. At any one time there's no more than twenty men that can do that. Because there's thirty two teams and all thirty two don't have one. Right. <laughs> if you don't have one, you're looking for one. And if you have one, you're <laughs> seeing how long we can ride them. Uh, and how much we have to pay them, but there's, you know, I mean, think about it. There's probably 15 great ones, and the other people are looking for them. So yeah. it's a, not an exact science. And uh, those of us that competed to be in it, you know, uh, we talked about the only thing football guarantees you is that one day you'll be an ex-football player. That's the only guarantee. That's the That's only right. one. Only one. One day yeah. you'll be an ex um, and, and, you know, that's sooner than later for some guys after their college is done and they get to sit in the pros and the pros are just faster than the college and it's a whole different animal and all of a sudden you're, you're done playing football.
Uh-oh. Yeah. And uh, one day that'll be true for Sam Howell as well. We don't know when that'll be, but we're going to talk be 10 or 12 years from now. (laughs) That'd be incredible. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk more about that and uh, dig a little bit into maybe why Sam Howell slid and what's going on there uh, in just a moment. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NBA playoffs and the beginning of the MLB season. BetOnline's even already published odds for next year's uh, Final Four National Championship game. Kentucky leads the way at 8-1 odds, but the Tar Heels are right behind at 10-1. So go check those out. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Again, we are joined today on Locked on Tar Heels by Carolina quarterback Scott Stancavage. It's so great to have Scott with us. We've been talking about his experiences as a Tar Heel, his experiences as part of the NFL draft leading to uh, being in that position. And so then just with that unique insight, now we want to look specifically at Sam Howell, uh, a little bit about what he might have experienced through this whole draft scenario and then maybe why he slipped a little bit. And so, Scott, when we look at it, this time last year, uh, you go back and look at mock drafts, Sam Howell is projected first overall or seventh overall or, you know, definitely first round, uh, if not the very top of the first round. What happened between May 2021 and May 2022 to change that? Uh, He lost the the two running backs and the two (laughs) wide receivers, right? And and I think he lost an offensive lineman and I'm not sure the defense was as good. So, we talked a little bit about, you know, Coach Longo and Coach Brown's job is to win football games this season, you know, at Carolina. It's not to get their quarterback to be, you know, first-round draft pick. And sometimes those um, those are at odds, right? So hmm. you run Sam Howell more. Um, you know, we, we can't run the ball as well with the running backs. Uh, yes, Sam, and Sam feels the pressure to make more plays because he's got less playmakers, so he's got to make more. Maybe he forces the ball uh, a little bit more often than he should. Uh, He he had one guy that could separate, and then, you know, guys that couldn't separate like the, you know, second and third round picks from the year before. So, um, and that, he was penalized for that, some of those Mm. decision-making. And, uh, you know, he traded this year at Carolina and an element of his education and degree and that experience in a college locker room. Uh, for some money, uh, probably a lot of money in the next four years. But if he's as good as I think he is and can be and will be, and he gets in the right situation, he'll make up for hmm. you know the, the, the millions that he lost by staying because he wasn't drafted in the first round. Uh, I think he has that kind of talent. So obviously I'm putting you on the spot here, but do you believe – that NFL front offices missed because of a perceived uh, struggles this year in Chapel Hill? Well, yeah, I mean, they can only look at what they see. And, you know, the scouting report, and I watched the ESPN and, and, and watched him play. I mean, he has a howitzer for an arm. It's so powerful. It's, it's, it'd be one of the most powerful in the NFL. And the ability to throw the deep ball, especially for a team that wants to run and play action, um, 
you know, I couldn't throw it deep. And the guys that can't throw it deep are way different than anybody else. Uh, they just throw a beautiful ball. They have control on it. It's soft. It has an arc. It just drops in the sky. Receiver can track it and catch it. Sam has that. Uh, that in and of itself uh, is worthy of a, an NFL quarterback spot. I mean, have to do other things. Plus, he's mobile and uh, he's strong and he's a leader. And I heard one of the draft guys say, you know, in fact, there was uh, RG3 who said Sam Howell's presence and persona in a locker room and building is alpha enough to lead an organization. So so he, he has all that. But the things that he showed were inaccuracy. I, I think if we're being absolutely critical, some of the technique he uses to throw uh, with his weight transfer and so on, leads a little bit to his inaccuracy. Sometimes it's high, sometimes it's low. I heard, uh, you know, the, the draft guru from 1984, you know, talk about his ball falls off the table. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it fall off the table, but his inaccuracy. I mean, and in the pros, let me just tell you this: we haven't talked about this. Uh, accuracy is an absolute, an mm-hmm. absolute. There's a, in I wrote the book QB Mentor, and there's a quote that Bill Walsh said about Joe Montana. Uh, you know, Joe said, uh, or, or said, hit him in the eye. And uh, Joe said, which eye? Which one? Right. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's the deal. I took my son to watch Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, uh, Jake DeLome, uh, and, and one other top quarterback at the time, and Drew Brees. And I was on the field at the Panthers. So this is, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. I was on the field in pregame, and I told my son, watch every single ball of those quarterbacks in warmups and it was hitting people in the left shoulder pad the right shoulder pad outs comebacks drags bombs corners posts skinny posts every ball there was none on the ground the accuracy was absolutely absolute and so i don't know that college quarterbacks uh are it's demanded of them mm. and the skill set may not be there but at that level accuracy is non-negotiable and so that i think uh is decision making uh which speaks a little bit to this the decision or, or the, the scheme he operated in yeah yeah uh so there there were things that that dropped him i didn't know that he should have gone that far but you know i'm not a gm but uh yeah. you know there there were things and it, it, i don't know that i think sam's a humble guy i would say that this humbled him but i know he probably has a chip on his shoulder which yeah. tom came out with a chip on his shoulder in the yes, sixth round did. and I think Sam goes up. I think I love the co- uh, commanders and, and uh, you know, uh, the coach is a strong, strong leader to try and change the culture. Sam's a cultural guy. Yes. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Sam's as an athlete, as a quarterback, as a young man, and as a Tar Heel. So I think the future is bright for him. That's incredible. Now, hey, you, well, you I would about- ask Mitch Trubisky. I would tell you about Mitch Trubisky. I think Mitch is going to, uh, is going to have, uh, uh, he's going to earn himself a starting quarterback position, not at Pittsburgh. He'll play well enough at Pittsburgh that he will become, because he was something. He, you know, I don't like the Chicago offense, and uh, and <laughs> no. so I thought Mitch was, you know, it, it was a bad situation for yeah. him, and uh, he made some mistakes and he he made some decisions, uh, but he was under Larry Fedora, right? And they were just trying to run as many plays as possible. So in terms of reading sophisticated defensive techniques and disguises of the NFL, you weren't trained. Um, totally, and so yeah. anyway, as he got trained, I'm a fan of Mitch Trubisky too. So I think he's going to play well in Pittsburgh. 
I think Sam is going to get his shot in Washington, and hopefully we'll see those Tar Heels as quarterbacks for a long time in the NFL. Man, that'd be great. For for Sam, you talked about that accuracy piece. Is that something, when you watch him mechanically, uh, do you think it's just a matter of he's not a student athlete anymore, and now he like now that he's just, just football all the time, that's something that he grows in? Technically, the element or the science of throwing a projectile, particularly one that's oblong and is meant to fly uh, into the wind uh, a long way and very accurately is a very highly specified science and it's studied. Um, and if you look deep enough, you know, Tom House is a guru. There are self-proclaimed gurus popping up all over, but rarely will a quarterback himself know how to do that it's not a matter of how hard you work it's how hard you work at the right things uh, and there are people in there are people that just teach not what i believe in and not what i've seen have success from uh you know i'm working with a phenom that's just going into ninth grade and you know from what he's taught and what he's seen and what he can do you know all the way to brandon peters we talked about earlier um, yeah you know and and so it would behoove Sam uh, that that he finds somebody that helps him with his accuracy, and I believe that will be handled, you know, technically and physically, uh, not his arm strength. Uh, but the accuracy on the deep ball is not in question, so that's a gift. And remember, we said if you go to a running team that likes to run the ball and play defense, a la Washington, uh, do a little play action and slip a guy behind you. Uh, that that's a great place for him. So that's where he um, shines. Yeah. Quarterbacks, in the theory of quarterbacking, or in particular offensive football, and I was of this because I wasn't a big playmaker to win the game, but every as a quarterback, even in the most run-oriented offense, there will be three or four plays that are touchdown passes, that are huge plays, where the defense messed up and we got a guy behind him in the post, right? Where they double the wrong guy and the guy's running wide open in the scene. You know, uh, or a cornerback gets beat off the line and all of a sudden we got to go route. And it's, 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 it's easy, but if you don't make those, if you don't see those plays and you don't make those plays, then those three or four plays go by. And now we got to sludge it out, you know, but if you make those plays, you know, you've got 21 or 28 points on the board. And so, you know, the great quarterbacks don't miss those. They, you make a mistake on defense. They know where everybody's supposed to be. And if somebody's not where they're supposed to be, they know what it means, where to attack. Wham. Mac Jones in New England, right? Tom Brady, wherever he's at. You make a mistake. Peyton Manning, listen to his podcast. Drew Brees, you, you never listen to him talk. Tony Romo, you listen to him talk. I mean, they—they they, it's like they're, you know, Nostradamus. You know, when what they're doing. Oh, they're going to look at that. So, uh, you know, I think Sam will pick up his accuracy because he has to, and I think it'll come by somebody that is trained in that and can help him with it. How big of a win is it for him to not be thrust immediately into a starting role and have the opportunity to learn behind Carson Wentz? Uh, it's huge. Uh, I, I think he'll learn from uh, Heineke as well. Uh, Heineke is a quality human being and a good talent. My son was his age, and he went to ODU, and so we, we followed him. Uh, and a guy named Kyle Allen, that was a recruiting mm -hmm. class that uh, my son Sean uh, was in, so we, we know those guys. Big fan yeah. of Tyler as well. Uh, you know, he bounced around a little bit to get his yeah. shot. Um, yeah. But Sam's arm is stronger than Tyler's, and Tyler knows how to be a starter in the NFL. 
So Sam's not going to come in and be moved ahead of him. Uh, but watching the NFL game, especially the science of defense, uh, is really important for Sam. And I don't believe that, you know, he learned it at that level at Carolina, like maybe Alabama teaches it, right? Or maybe Lincoln Riley teaches it at Oklahoma or the Ohio State guys, which is uh, uh, Kevin, uh, I forget, he was my backup center. And he's now the uh, wide receivers coach at Ohio State. Nice. So I'm in touch with him. Kevin Wilson's his name. He was the head coach. Uh, but anyway, the way they teach it, you know, there are people in college that teach it at a different level, at an NFL level, literally. Um, Old Miss, Lillian Kiffin, probably not teaching the NFL type stuff, teaching more of the run and shoot and just look at that guy if he's open, throw it. If he's not, look at this guy, throw it. If he's not, run around, make a play. The NFL is all about what's the defense going to give us and we take it, but the defense knows what their weakness is. So they are trying to hide their weakness or protect their weakness. Mm. So at the three level chess game in the NFL, we're not attacking the weakness of the defense. We're attacking the protection of the weakness that the defense is doing. (laughs) You, You with me? I mean, yep. so it's like, oh, well, they're yep. playing cover four, so they're weak in the flat, so we're going to throw in the flat. They know they're weak in the flat, so that corner isn't, you know, you don't run the corner off, he's going to be in the flat. Oh, okay, so maybe run a double <laughs> move on the corner because he's, right? So it is so many plays ahead. Uh, and, and like we said, there are three or four plays. I mean, Pep Hamilton's the OC at, Tex, at the Texans right now, and then all around the league, trained Andrew Luck was with Justin Herbert is the reason for Davis Mills down there uh, at Houston playing so yeah. well. Uh, and, and he's told me, you know, we set up plays. We set a whole game for one play. We'll run a slant. We'll run a slant this way. We'll run a slant at affirmation for one play so that in the fourth quarter, when we need it, first down or touchdown, they've seen a steady diet of this, and you got to make that play because – Everything came down to us setting up that play. And so there'll be three or four of those in the game, and the great ones make it, and the average ones make it occasionally. Yeah. So, Man, that's so good, Scott. Thank you for all that insight. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's our hope, is that we're going to see Sam Howell rise to that level where he is one of those elite guys making that play all the time or with a great deal of consistency. And Absolutely. So, Scott, I, I want to get you out of here, but I want to ask you the last question I, I always try to ask everybody. What does it mean to you to be a Tar Heel? <laughs> I don't want to get all teared up here, but, uh, you know, that's a and it changed my life. Uh, I mean, my whole family's here. Um, uh, it changed my life. And, you know, it's something I thought about recently because of education and, and worldview and politics and all that. I really thought back to my education in North Carolina. And uh, I, I don't know what you know is being taught there now, but I look back to when I was there. And I was actually looking at it critically. Like, was I really taught? But, hey, I had accounting. You know, I had entrepreneurial stuff. I had first in, first, you know, uh, I had manufacturing. I had supply chain stuff. I had sales. I had marketing. I had Nietzsche and Kant and Kierkegaard. Those are philosophical stuff. I had yeah. Milton Friedman, right? Uh, you know, Econ 101. And wow, I had Sartre. <laughs> and so I look back and I'm saying, 
they really educated me, even though I didn't know it. Um, you know, I didn't go way deep in anything, but I'm, I'm rounded, and that's a liberal arts education. And I went into business, it was commercial real estate, but um, I was so proud of my education uh, from the University of North Carolina. So I have two daughters that graduated there, uh, who had, had you know, my ex-wife graduated. So, so we're a Tariel family. It wasn't mean to be a Tariel. Uh, it's a special thing. I would say this. When Jay Billis said, it won't matter that Carolina beat Duke at Cameron and in the Final Four if they don't win the national championship. I said, Jay, you know you're lying. You know you're lying. Let's be honest. You know, if we remember when Hubert's first year and he beat him, Kay, and then he beat him in the final four. Oh, yeah, we were up with a minute 30 to go and almost won the national championship. Listen, if he won the national championship, he wouldn't be like, remember when, no, he'd be like, remember when he beat him and then we beat him again? I mean, and Caleb went off and RJ went off. You can't change that narrative. So, what does it mean to be a Tario? I don't know. That has something to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. Scott Stankavage, thank you so much for your time today. My Thanks pleasure. for sharing some of your stories. Uh, can't wait to dig in. There's there's so many more stories to yeah. be told and look forward to sharing some of those again sometime in the near future. Scott Stankavage, once Tar Heels. Tar Heels. That's right. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. I want once again to thank Scott Stankavage for joining us, um, just sharing story, great stories with us and, and helping us see a little bit more behind the scenes of, of what Sam Howell just experienced and went through and will be experiencing and going through in the days, weeks, and months ahead. If you would love to, you can go follow the show on Twitter. Even if you don't love to, go do it because it would be a, a great way uh, to stay engaged and involved. At Locked on Heels, you can follow me at Isaac Shade. I-S-A-A-C-S-C-H-A-D-E. Would love if you would go and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, go ahead and rate and review. Love if you would share some of why you love Locked on Tar Heels. Well, uh, that's it for this week of Locked on Tar Heels. Coming up next week, we're going to have uh, lots more good stuff to talk about, more, more football content, some good things with John Garcia Jr. And we've got a little, uh, a little playful Duke and Carolina content coming up in the weeks ahead as well. So that's going to be fun. Now that you've listened to Locked on Tar Heels, let me encourage you to make Locked on ACC your second listen today. Get all your daily ACC news in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available everywhere you get podcasts. Hey, thanks so much for spending part of your week talking with me, listening to Scott today. And uh, don't forget, once again, Mother's Day this weekend. I hope it is, in fact, a great weekend for you. And remember that it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until next week, peace! <laughs> <laughs>